On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we look back at week number 10, and we have a truly unique gambling situation that took place. We're looking at you, Nick Chubb. He went out on the one-yard line that cost a lot of people a lot of money who may or may not have bet the Cleveland Browns minus three and a half. We're going to discuss it at length, and then... It returned. The gambling gods come back in our favor with the Hale Murray and the Cardinals deciding to take a knee on the field goal that would have covered the spread of two and a half for them. We've got our insider Coulter and our Patriots correspondent Hughes on to discuss if these were the right moves or the wrong moves and should these players pay us gamblers back. Then we take a look at week number 11, some really good games on the docket, a little bit of crossfire action as well. So we've got a preview of all these games and much, much more, including coach of the year odds and a Jameis Winston prop. So stay tuned for episode 87 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good. Uh, You know, another not great week last week. I was actually 2-0 in the pod, so that's a consolation prize, but in our pool was uh, 6-8. Uh, got the best bets of seven and eight, not like the worst week, but definitely eight losses never feels good. So I'm, I'm, I really want to get a good week going here, get double digit wins. And, uh, I think I should have a pretty good feel for this week, 11 slate here. So I'm excited to talk and break it down with you guys. Two podcast wins. That's a huge W in our books here. And joining us as well, our new England Patriots correspondent coming off a big win, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, guys. And yeah, I don't even know if big win really captures what happened in Foxborough. Um, There was some touch of mother nature. There was some touch of Belichick's mastery of the game of football. And then maybe a little bit of what we talked about where the Ravens, uh, there might be a few cracks in that boat. So I think we can get into it. But I mean, otherwise, I think I had a pretty good week. Lost two crossfires, though. So I hate to lose the the cash out of the pocket. But at least it's going to my friends and not one of these big gambling companies. Um, So I'll take that. But split on my two big picks. Uh, The Bills somehow squeaked out of cover. Um, So I'll take it. A miracle. Nothing like, yeah, nothing like taking a knee on the extra point. You know, that's one of those gambling good things where you're just like, you're like, whatever. Like I I had the game in hand and then all of a sudden I lose on a Mary and then it's like, oh, okay, he's going to take a knee so that they only win by two with a two and a half point spread. So, I mean, I'll take it. I mean, we had two of those this this past weekend and we're going to talk about this one because the Nick Chubb run really just screwed me. And Coulter, we were talking with Mr. Model who unfortunately couldn't join us tonight, but it was just an unprecedented situation with Nick Chubb here. So we were talking about how ridiculous this was. And I just want to set the stage for, for the rest of the listeners, because Nick Chubb killed me about five different ways last week. Okay. I have Nick Chubb in two of my fantasy teams. I know nobody cares about other people's fantasy teams, but I got it. I picked the Browns in our pool as my key pick. Okay. I actually had live money on them, live bullets on them 
So I got killed in just so many different ways. So we came up with a system. Coulter, why don't you explain it? Because this was a perfect name call for what we decided to what to call this. Oh, I mean, yeah, it touches back to the whole double down trend gambling aspect of the podcast, you know. And so when you were telling me about this, I was thinking about the equivalent of you were if you were dealt like like a three, a four, a seven, and an eight, and like something else that just doesn't help you in like a major poker hand. If you pushed all your chips in and the dealer just gave you shit, what would you feel like? And and I was just thinking, what could we call that poker hand? The royal fuck instead of the royal flush. <laughs> you just get absolutely screwed. And and it seems to me that you were just pushing all your chips to the table in a variety of different ways. And and Chubb was the dealer, and he just gave you the he dealt you the royal fuck. The royal fuck, just because the royal flush is just so uncommon. And to right. have this happen, <laughs> yeah, and then him running out of the end of one at the inch one line. yard line, and it does nothing. Like we saw this with the Lions and uh, I, I believe the Falcons, right? Nick Chubb, or not Nick Chubb, his other Georgia buddy, yeah. Todd Gurley scores the touchdown. But this was a totally different situation. They were up three already. The touchdown puts him up 10 with 47 seconds left with no timeouts left. Just score the fucking touchdown, Chubb. Seriously, I lost. We, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut it there. But can we talk about the fact that it's a bad football play? Like, you should go up two scores. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a no-brainer. Like, I don't uh, understand I, I, how these guys, like, get praised. Like, oh, what an unselfish play. It's like, no, what a dumb play. You fumble the ball the next the next snap. It's all The other team's got a chance right. to win the game. Like, it's not like they got a chance. Like, if yes, if you're up one. I understand the logic. You go down, you take a knee, you don't have to kick the ball off. Like, I get that. But, like, again, I do not understand the two-score thing. It's just the most bizarre thing in the world. It's an interesting dichotomy because I got screwed by both of them, but I truly honestly feel that it was only the Browns game that I got screwed on because I actually think the Cardinals made the right play by not kicking that field goal because if that got blocked in return, that's a tie game. So I actually think in the mathematics sense, and I got screwed on it, but like, I actually agree with Kingsbury to do that. Yep. Whereas the Chubb thing, I'm so adamantly against that. Like you guys were just saying, so it's so funny. It's like, I got screwed both ways, but I really would, I would have gladly taken the one, one there. Right. Happily yeah. would have taken yep. the split. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I agree. Instead, the, of course the football the gods were just cruel to us. And we, yeah, the extra point thing, definitely. Um, you don't want to snap that, have a bet. Anything could go wrong and yeah, they return it. And in that situation, you just, yeah, it would have been a nightmare. So I, I completely agree on taking the knee on that one. But yeah, it was a wild end to some of those games on Sunday. Great week weekend of football. Yeah, a lot of good games. Um, I do want to bring up, though, Coulter, you were down on Tua, who is now 3-0 and as a starter. The Dolphins are looking hot. Are you reconsidering your stance on Tua? I'm definitely, I think my hot take was that they were going to go back to fix. So I'll, I'll cool off on that one. I, I think I... I'm going to stay on brand because I think when we started doing this podcast, I was so anti Lamar as a, a passer. And my brother was reminding me about this the other day. And he was like, you were so on that early on. And then he was great against the dolphins that one game and everyone, you know, started going crazy for him. But like, I just think my brand is I'm against these new young guys. They're great athletes, but I'm against them as passers. I don't like being down with Kyler Murray. I don't like being down with Lamar. I don't like being, down points with Tua. So uh, Tua, if you haven't noticed, has been playing mostly from ahead and his defense and special teams keep giving him great positions. So as long as they keep doing that, I'm sure he'll keep winning. But I want to see what this guy looks like down 14 points in the National Football League before I anoint him at K. That's fair. And he beat, uh, you know, Herbert, who is another hot guy. Hughes, where do you stand on Tua? He's a in-division guy. 
Um, all right. So I will say he's won me over. I've been kind of against, I was, I, I will say, I thought, and maybe just for nostalgia purposes that they should have given Fitz the chance to, um, give this team a run. I think it's a good team. I think they have a really good defense. Um, I think they have a good offensive line. They've been a little bit struck by the injury bug, um, at running back. So, but it seems like whoever they put in there, it doesn't really matter. So, um, though I will say two has proven himself to me. And, and I think, I had this conversation with somebody in your, in um, your wallet, Hughes too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's definitely, definitely put a little dent there. Uh, but no, I was talking to somebody before uh, or when they made the decision, I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And I think obviously, um, you know, the Dolphins head coach, Mr. Florio or yeah, Flo, he was not happy with people saying that they were trying to see what they had with Tua, given the fact that they have the high draft picks. But I do think that's got to play in like everything pointed to putting Tua in. I think they made the decision. It wasn't an easy one. Um, and I think he's proven them right. I think sometimes when you put a guy in that situation, he's got so much on the line that it, it almost maybe does bring out the inner competitor a little bit more than if you just start him in like what you would consider like a, almost like a soft open where it's like, Hey, you know, here you go. Here's the keys to the, to the car. If you, if you crash it a little bit, who cares in this situation, he got the keys to a car that was running pretty well and he's done a good job of keeping it on the road. And I think, I think he keeps it up. I think, again, I think they've got some easy games on their schedule coming up uh, to, to end the season. Obviously they get to play the jets again. I think, I don't know what week that is, um, but they'll get another shot at the Pats too. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm, I'm on the two wagon right now. I like what we're seeing from him. And when he was healthy at Alabama, he was an accurate passer and they weren't asking him to do a ton. Now he's doing the same thing. He's just making smart plays, letting the defense do their thing. And that's really the strength of Miami is their defense. So I I'm, I'm in on the two wagon right now. I'm excited to see what happens. I don't know if they've got enough steam to knock off Buffalo for the division, but I mean, it's going to be close and I, I, I don't have the schedule pull up in front of me. I think they play the bills one more time too. Correct. Oh, I do really so. yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, but speaking of Herbert too, guys, I don't know if you saw this one, he got a haircut and looks like a 14 year old boy. I think I'm out on the, on the chargers from here on in. It looks terrible. <laughs> I can't, I can't take the Chargers seriously with Anthony Lynn. They just find a variety of different ways to lose. Uh, I don't know if you heard the post-game quotes from them, but Keenan Allen uh, was saying something along the lines of that they basically were out on the field and they didn't have the they didn't know how to basically solve the Miami defense and and they were openly like just screaming about how like confused they were as receive the receiving core. So they were just thoroughly out coached last week based on what I was reading in the post game, uh, which is what we previewed here on the podcast. It was why it was my key pick. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I can't take the Chargers seriously as long as Anthony Lynn's their coach. He seems like he's a decent motivator, um, but man, they they just <laughs> schematically are just behind every team in the NFL, I feel like at this point. I don't even know what else to say about them right now. Seriously. Now yeah. I do want to, before we move on to week 11 though, Hughes, I do want to talk about your, your local team, the Eagles and how the G men pretty handily took down Carson Wentz. What's the, the vibe in Philly right now? Are they down on Carson? Um, there's a lot of talk about the Sixers. I mean, I don't, I don't we don't need to get into basketball. Obviously, <laughs> uh, somehow the Sixers were able to wave a magic wand and get out of one of the worst contracts in American history at the current moment. Now Horford, um, neither here nor there, but no, I, yeah, people are down. I mean, I think if you watch that game, there were two things that were happening. One is something that I think you talked about last week and we have talked about earlier, which is the giants are not a bad team. 
I don't know if they're a good team, and it's kind of one of those funny things. They're just not bad. If you play them and you don't play well, they will beat you. And I think Tampa, as a good team, was able to play mediocre and win. And again, I think that's because Tampa has, has, has you know a superior team. But at the same time, you saw what the Giants can do if they could, don't turn the ball over. And Daniel Jones plays like the functioning quarterback that we all know that he was at certain points last year and has been this year. Um, get him, get him in the run game a little bit. Um, I think that offensive line was looking better. Interesting development this week and maybe some fun gossip that we can uh, uh, discuss <laughs> with the supposed fist fight um, between the offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, who is a monster um, and Joe judge uh, leading to Mark Colombo getting fired. Um, but I think anyways, I think the Giants are showing life. So that being said, I don't know what's wrong with Carson Wentz. And I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to ever regain what he had, but he looks lost. And yeah. I, I say that from the perspective that I've seen a lot of Philly games. My wife's a Philly fan. She grew up around here. We live here now, so they're on all the time. I don't have much of a choice. Um, but at the same time, like he doesn't look like he knows what he wants to do when he's on the field. And I think that is probably the worst case scenario for a quarterback. When you're thinking, when you're everything is, you know, I think Cam Newton's been at that point with the Pats at different times this year. And it's just look, you know, even their mechanics look off. Everything looks off. And I didn't feel that way about Carson. Um, I thought I said last week, I thought that was a lock. They were getting guys back coming off a bye. I thought the Eagles had that one in hand. Um, and I obviously was, uh, I was drinking the local water a little bit too much uh, around here <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> made a bad, bad call on that giants look good though. Yeah, they do. And I'm a little, uh, torn right now because I, I completely agree with what you said. They're not a bad team, but I also don't think they're a good team, but we're in the NFC East where that could win the division. And I'm so torn as a fan because you obviously want your team to do well. And if they win the division, the old saying is you never know. You make it in the playoffs. You never know. We've seen it with Eli when they were nine and seven, they went on a Super Bowl run. But you're worried about Gettleman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worried about a couple of things. They win the division. Gettleman could be here for another five years. Exactly. That saves his job. And they're, they're just so devout of talent on this team that if Gettleman comes back, it's terrible. But then also long-term, if they win the division, now they're not picking the top 10. They're picking like 18 or 19 because they won the division. And that also sets them back. And, you know, realistically, I don't think that even if they make the playoffs, they're not going to make a, a run. They're going to get stomped by these better teams. So I'm just so torn by this because their defense is starting to come together. They've got the pieces. And finally, their offensive line looks like an NFL line. And you're seeing what Daniel Jones can do with, with protection. I, I personally am not totally sold on Daniel Jones just yet. It's the turnovers that he's got to stop, and he's done that the past two games. They look like a different team, so we're going to see what happens moving forward here. But for me, at least I'm excited that there's some juice left in the Giants games. You know, when they started off such a bad record this year, you're like, all right, a worthless season. We're not even going to have games that matter by October. And here we are with, uh, you know, at least uh, they're they're in contention. So we'll see. Now, I do want to say, too, before we go on to week 11, one last thing. As you guys know, I was – Terrible picking the Bears and the Vikings. They played each other on Monday night. <laughs> I took the Megan Cazalet advice and shocker, it was a winner. So thank you, Megan. Nice. I was able to take the Vikings. Coulter, this was one of your uh, your picks that you were, were talking about here. So what did you see in that game? Coaching mismatch was the initial uh, handicap that I went with, obviously, Cook. You know, the Vikings have been playing great. I think that was pretty obvious since they were beat by the Falcons earlier this year. They ripped off a one point loss at Seattle on Sunday night. They've beaten a bunch of good teams. They beat, uh, you know, the Bears who had a winning record. They beat the Packers in their division on the road. 
So this is a team that's trending up and I see a bears team that's trending down. You know, I get the inside info on the bears. It's all negative. Nothing as good as coming out of that camp. We were talking about it last week, right? I mean, Nagy is, is running a very strange organization and uh, yeah, I mean, that was just a simple fate of Nagy, that whole offense. And it, you know, it actually, the play got better as the week went on my anxiety around it. I got more uh, or less and less confident in the pick just because I, I, I don't know. It felt bad that the bears were getting so much points at home, but the bears offense, they lost Montgomery, the running back. And without him, there's, they just have one less talented player. And that offense already does not have a lot of talent. The defense there is great. Kudos to them. That's a great unit. Top five in the league. Can't say anything bad about that. 11 men. Those 11 men are great, great people, but uh, can't really say the same about their counterparts on offense. That team is just, it, it's full bears. I mean, it's classic, great defense, yeah. bad offense uh, to the core of their identity as a, as a team. Yeah, they they lost Hicks during the game. I don't know what he, I, I don't know what his You're right, that was a key. He injury. doesn't play. They, yep. they looked like a different defense. And I will, that was one of the weird things. I think, I mean, again, I think a lot of people, you know, classic instant reaction to the Cleo Mack situation when that happened, when he got traded. I don't think he's had, I mean, again, he made a great play uh, with that Thielen uh, play. But at the same time, I don't think that that's had, you know, necessarily the impact. But again, you pair him with Hicks and those two on the, I mean, you have to double both of them. I don't know what else you do. And so when he went out of the game, they just didn't look like the same defense. And so I, yeah, that game was an interesting one. Again, when you watch Kirk Cousins play quarterback, I just, I, it just leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think he's very good. Um, I don't think Nick Foles is very good. It was just a battle of like two guys that you just really, you know, probably aren't going to see in the league maybe in the next couple of years. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe they get a second, third life, but they, both of them just look terrible. I thought just, a lot of mediocre quarterbacks right now. It's crazy. And that Hughes is what we call a great segue because looking ahead this week, we are looking at the return of the electric factory, Jameis Winston. He's most likely going to be starting. Now we know Sean uh, Payton has been a little weird about announcing who it's going to be. It's clearly not going to be Taysom Hill. It's going to be Jameis. So Mr. Jameis, the 30 touchdown, 30 interception man is back under center and I've got a prop bet for you gentlemen. So Coulter, will we see a pick six from Jameis Winston right now? The odds are yes at plus 900 and no at minus 1600s. What do you think? I would have to lean with the Vegas number there and just go with the minus 1600. I know it's not a fair one, but clearly they're telling you that they think it's a pretty low, uh, chance of probability of that happening. Uh, I see that game being pretty conservative. I think Peyton will play conservative. We're going to see probably more Lat Murray than we've seen uh, most weeks. They're going to just probably try to get out of that game. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards Falcons in that game, even though I, on paper, I think I see, I see it as a coaching mismatch with Peyton versus Morris, but I just don't think that we're going to see them really, um, really extend the playbook for Winston. This is a guy who has a reputation around the league as he, he doesn't grasp the, the playbook quick enough. I don't think he's going to be able to do that in one week in New Orleans. They're going to keep it very vanilla, very safe. A lot of check downs to Kamara. Uh, so I actually don't see him putting himself in a situation or Peyton putting himself in that situation where he could be throwing risky pick six type balls. Uh, you know what? Maybe he'll throw a pick. Maybe he'll do 
throw two picks and we can have a laugh about it, but I just don't see the, the pick six machine getting turned on in this first game. Hughes, do you like the action there? Plus 900? Uh, no. So I, I honestly don't think he plays much. So, and I don't know. And that's the other thing too, is you have to factor yeah. in Hill on how many passes Hill gets to versus Winston. I just feel like Taysom Hill's again. I think Winston will play. I think he'll probably start. I think he'll probably hand the ball off a decent amount. I think it depends the, how the game goes again. They're minus four, which was, I thought a little, not, I mean, again, I don't think Atlanta is anything that's really to be scared of, but at the same time with no breeze, I thought, you know, minus four, I thought it would be three, maybe two and a half. But again, I think that to, to what we've talked about, like they're going to be conservative. They're going to run the ball a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of quarterback run. Um, and I think we're going to see an interesting kind of, okay, we're just going to line up and try and beat you. Cause I don't think Atlanta has the, has the mustard on their defensive front seven to handle that. And so I think that's why there's just not going to be very many opportunities. Now, could he throw a pick six? Of course he could. The guy <laughs> loves doing it. And they could be, it could be a, it could be a late game situation too. Maybe Atlanta comes in and plays well and they do need to, th- but I think if they get in that situation, I think it's going to be Hill. I think if it's like, Hey, we need to come back and we need a big drive. We need guys to make big throws. I think they're going to go to Taysom Hill because I think he's shown that he can do it. He's been there longer. And ultimately, honestly, they paid him the money. Like he's making more, he's making the, the, the scratch in my opinion, to be the guy that gets the call in a situation like this. Um, so if it's, if, it, if the game's the other way, I think we see more James. So um, I think that'll kind of dictate. And I think Peyton's a good enough coach where we'll see, we'll see an interesting game plan out of it. There'll be, so I was going to say, there'll be a script where they balance it out where Hill gets plays and Winston, Winston knows exactly the place he's going to be running and, and where he should be throwing the ball in those plays. Like, I think that's going to be a very protected hand. And I think the Hughes's point too, if there is a turnover from Winston, we might just see Hill the rest of the way. So the pick six thing, if, if he doesn't throw a pick six on that first pick, <laughs> the value right. is, is actually could be usurped from the entire prop bet. Well, that's, that's the funny thing too, is I was actually thinking about that from a prop bet standpoint. One of my favorite prop bets sometimes is taking defense first score um, in a game like that. You know, if, if you got a chance at a pick six, that might not be a, that might not be a bad play. Cause you might be able to get that um, at better odds than what you can get a picks, the Jameis pick six for. And you're right. He could come out like first pass attempt and throw, a, you know, throw some duck trying to get a, trying to get a quick hitch in. All right, let me just get warmed up and boom. <laughs> yeah. You know, ball gets tipped quick guy guy makes a break i mean who knows um but yeah i don't know it's gonna be an interesting i can't believe we're gonna see james this by the way though could this be another resurrection i don't see the same teddy bridgewater situation but you know it'd be fun to see if all of a sudden james comes out and looks like he's an actual quarterback see and that's why i think we're gonna get a chance at this pick six and i'm actually on the the yes i'm taking plus 900 here because okay. i think you hit it there hughes i think he sees this as his opportunity and who knows how long breeze is gonna be out and I think in Jameis's mind, he's going, I might only have this one game. If I play shitty this game, they might just go to Taysom Hill the entire rest of the season until Breeze comes back. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he's Oh, well, I don't know about that. I, you know? I, I have to push back on that. Most <laughs> importantly, Breeze's ribs are broken. It seems like it's two to three weeks, if not longer. They were very negative and pessimistic coming out of that. I'd say three weeks minimum for Breeze. And secondly, Jameis Winston was first overall talent. He has got it. if if he's in the NFL right now, he's made it this far. And trust me, I've seen the guy get interviewed before. He has to be confident enough in his own natural skill set that he thinks he's actually better than Hill, and that he's not going to just get beaten out for that job. Like I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. He's not skittish that he's going to lose the job outright in this one Atlanta game, okay. unless he throws a bunch of pick sixes. I mean, if he throws two pick sixes, sure, but like 
that's I think why Hughes and I are on the they're they're going to be more conservative with him. They're not going to put him in a spot where he could potentially do that because that will break his psyche. But I, I don't see that happening. I just see him as a as a wild card trying to you know seize he on this definitely, opportunity. He's definitely a wild oh, yeah. card. That's why we're discussing this prophet. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no, doubt, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be fun to watch, though, regardless. So let's go 30 picks last year. for Christ. Exactly. That's why it's a possibility. But let's move to uh, our next segment here where we are going to be looking at the coach of the year odds. So a couple of front runners. Uh, what we'll do, I'm going to read off uh, basically the, the top couple of guys here. Uh, I know, Coulter, you've got one that you're holding on to as well here. So here are the front runners as we sit going into week 11. We've got Mike Tomlin sitting at plus 120. We've got Brian Flores sitting at plus 200. Cliff Kingsbury plus 1,200. Sean McDermott plus 1,800. And Gruden at plus 2,000. A few others are on the board still. Um, I don't know. Interesting. we got the Steelers who are undefeated here, but some good teams making a little bit of a surprise run. Coulter, if you had to pick somebody, and I know you've got a ticket, who would you be putting your money on? Of the favorites right now, I think Hughes actually made a great point when we were talking about Brian Flores earlier in the Dolphins. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin did such a good job last year with that Steelers team, so it's hard for me to say he doesn't deserve a Coach of the Year award. I definitely think he does, so that would totally be just – but I think that decision to go to to attack on Viola down in Miami is the kind of decision where at the end of the year, when you're kind of deciphering between a Tomlin and a Flores, you have to say, you know, Flores actually made the gutty call. It could have been a catastrophe, but it ended up working out well. Plus, if that Dolphins team goes back to the playoffs, they haven't been in a while. I think there's that narrative. Um, and I also think that, you know what, I kind of said it earlier in the pot, and I'll just say it again. The team is making the postseason because of the defense. Flores is a defensive-minded coach, special teams, that whole thing. The New England mindset is why they're going to make the playoffs this year. It's not to attack of Iloa. I'll say that on every pod until uh, the postseason if I have to. I just don't see that being the case unless this guy transforms overnight. I've watched him play. He's good, but he's not excellent. And I just don't. This is a team that's going to rely on its defense and its special teams will continue to do so over the next six to seven weeks. And that, that's why Flores is the favorite. The guy I have money on who I think I still like his odds is Stefanski because if the Browns make it, they have a great storyline just like the Dolphins. Um, and you have to figure that the coaching there is monumental too. This is a team that was all over the place with its passing offense last year. Baker was erratic. They've slowed it down. They've gone run heavy just like they were in Minnesota last year. And so I think his scheme has really helped them offensively. He's an offensive-minded coach. That's what they needed. Their defense was always kind of okay. This year it's probably a little bit worse than it was last year, um, especially in the back end of it. But, like, their defense is never going to kill the Browns. It's always just going to be kind of like in the middle. It's about that offense and Baker. If he's a turnover machine, they're not going to be good. Stefanski's come in there. He's implemented a sound system where they can rely on Chubb and Hunt, and it takes up the pressure off of Mayfield. My one fear about this bet is, A, they're not going to win their division, so it makes it tough for him to win the coach of the year. And B, uh, obviously the Browns' offense hasn't been electric, so that kind of kills my argument there. But I do have a preseason bet on Stefanski that I like a lot, and I still kind of like his his odds value just on the storyline alone. Browns, playoffs. Well, especially when they're throwing away free points like Nick Chubb, I find it hard to pick them. <laughs> but what was the uh, what did you get his odds at when you made that futures pick? 
he was 18 to one in the preseason. So he, there's actually a lot of good value on him right now. Um, he's not even on this list, correct? No, he's not. on it. I'm sure he's getting <laughs> crazy value now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it stood out to me that he wasn't one of the top nine guys. It, to me, it seems like, uh, and, and the counter argument, I guess, to, to my argument is that kitchens was so bad, no matter what coach came in there, he could turn it around. But like, I just think that there's enough of a turnaround where I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the Browns yep. were so poorly coached, such an underachieving mess last year. It's like, somebody has got to get credit for that. I don't see it going to one of the two running backs because they're splitting duties. Certainly not going to go to Mayfield himself. Right. So therefore it has to go somewhere. I think you kind of give it to the coach, but that's just me. It's a bold pick. Bill, what about you, man? So I think, I mean, again, I, I, I just tend to approach these things for value. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think the argument for, for Flores is, is really strong. Um, I think from that perspective, I mean, I think the argument for Tomlin um, is strong too. Obviously they're both uh, have their teams in places. Um, and I he's due like a best actor yeah. award too. I, I, I yeah. can't stress that enough. There is like a makeup sense. He really should have been the coach of the year last year, in my opinion. And, and I just feel like, I don't think, I don't know if people thought that again, the Steelers were going to be as good as they are given some of the things that have happened. And similarly uh, with the Dolphins. Now I, mine is going to be uh, Sean McDermott um, at plus 1800. I think it's just a good number. Um, it gets you really good odds. And I think again, if they play well, they can beat anybody. I thought they could have won that. I did think, I mean, obviously losing to the Cardinals doesn't help, but I think people, if he can topple Belichick, if he can win that division, I think there's going to be a lot of momentum there and a lot of conversations about the fact that he has really turned that franchise around. Um, they've drafted well. So, I mean, obviously not all him, um, but again, they've brought personalities in there. They've been able to put people together in different situations. I mean, the guy, Shady McCoy had some good years there. I think, you know, when he was kind of on the outs and, and Chip Kelly decided to jettison him from Philly, um, <laughs> you know, went to Buffalo model citizen. I mean, I think they've gone out and gotten other guys that have played really well. I, I think he's a, I think he's got a really good shot. I think the number's really good. The other one to keep an eye on to me from a value perspective is Frank Reich. I think, again, I, we'll talk about this later. I, I'm, I'm, back, I'm on Indy. Um, I've not been on Indy uh, much this year. Um, and I, but I do think like they've got a chance if they can find a way to win that division where he's another guy who's just very well respected. They brought in a new quarterback. You know, there's a lot of things um, I think that, that would lead people to think he's done, you know, a really masterful job transitioning from the luck era to all of a sudden having a team that ultimately this week, again, playing green Bay um, is a favorite uh, and played well last week and show is showing toughness, showing, that, you know, Phil Rivers has got maybe a little gas left in the tank and maybe all he needed to do was get out of that situation in San Diego. Like we talked about, um, you know, I think, you know, ultimately one of the, the keys of Phil Rivers was that he was always trying to come back in games and everything came down to the last five seconds. And so I think now that he's got a little bit more, you know, of a um, stable organization, let's call it and a better coach. I think we're seeing you know, even at his elevated age, uh, what they're able to do um, with they've been they were bit by the injury bug too. So uh, those are my two picks in terms of uh, some value. I like McDermott, right? I like both of those too. Now my concern uh, with a couple of these names, th- it's assuming that they're winning the division, correct? Like Brian Flores is not going to win Coach of the Year if they're the wild card, and you got McDermott who wins the division. Is that probably safe to assume? It, it's going. I mean, it, it's going to be come down to the to to the end. So especially if the Pats end up being you know, be playing like they did last week. Um, if they're, if they can find a way 
They've already beat Miami once, and they played a really close game and had a chance to beat Buffalo. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it could. I think either team could win. But yes, I do think the team that cast second probably that coach is not going to win it. Yeah, to answer your question on this, some deep diving quick on the fly research. I don't think a non-division winner has won it this decade. That's uh, good to know. So just putting that out there for the listener yeah. kind of is, and that definitely puts a poo-poo on my Stefanski argument. Yeah. And, and you know, quite frankly, you know, it, the, the best way to look at it is just last year. I actually was just circling on it, bitching about Tom and not winning last year. You know what? Harbaugh won it because he won the division. I don't think he was the coach of the year. I think they had a great scheme. If anything, give the offensive coordinator a coordinator award job, similar to how Nagy won it the prior year. Give it to Vic Vanju as a coordinator. It wasn't a head coaching award uh, that year either. But sometimes when you win the division, you just kind of go with the coach. Um, so, yeah, I think they're actually – that's a great point about winning the division. But doesn't that make Reich tough? Because I feel like that's a total coin flip in that division. Even after that Thursday night game, I mean, you have to figure that the punt block, they had the third string punter, the long snapper. Yeah. Gostowski is awful. Brown dropped a pass. How many things went wrong for Tennessee in that game? You're really going to be confident enough to say that they're going to win that division. It's not a coin flip. We know that the Titans are a pretty good team. And I, I know the Colts are good too, but I just, I like Reich. Reich's best argument, quite frankly, honestly, is that the Eagles are so inept on third down since he's left. You watch the <laughs> Eagles game, they don't have Frank Reich. I mean, that's his best argument. It's like, talk about a team that is really missing their coordinator. Um, I don't know. I, I, now that we're talking it through, that the winning your division, I kind of just am circling back to Tomlin. Seems like that's yeah. an inevitability. If they well, go 13 and three, he'll just get the Harbaugh award they're not going to give it to the actual coach of the year which would be flores just like they didn't give it to tomlin last year who was the coach of the year well my question with tomlin is is any of this built into the fact that people are hoping they go undefeated like if they lose i mean i would assume they're going to lose a couple of games is it baked in that they might be an undefeated team because i really don't think the steelers are doing that magical of a job particularly tomlin they got big ben back and they benefited from a weak schedule yeah, that's that's a good point. The benefit of having Ben back is huge. But I mean, you have to, you know, 13 and 3, 14 and 2 year, I think it stands alone, especially in COVID time too. I mean, if they're the only team that gets 14 wins, the only team that has 13 wins, you know, let's say they have a two game advantage over everybody at the end of the year, I think Tomlin has to get it, right? I think that's yeah. how Harbaugh got it last year, right? Was there anybody who was the Chiefs 13 and 3 in the regular the season? Had a, I think I think something like that, yeah. But uh, the Ravens definitely have the best record. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is something to Tomlin. I think if he has any sort of separation by more than a game and a half on a coach, I think he'll definitely be a winner. Yeah. I'm going to throw out uh, one wild card here for you guys. I'm going to take Matt LaFleur at 50 to one. I mean, a huge underdog in this category. I think he was second last year. I don't hate that. Yeah. And really don't. Green Bay has a chance to be the one seed, especially now that Breeze is out. Tampa Bay has been up and down. And I think we're looking at a path where you can see green Bay doing something similar, being maybe like 13 and three, 12 and four with a dominant run. And if he's sitting up there and who knows what happens, maybe some of these other teams falter, like the Steelers kind of come back down to earth. That's not a bad play there with a ton of value baked in. I might take a long shot there on Lafleur. Yeah, he was up for the award last year. So you have to figure that the, the voting body has definitely got him in mind, right? Yeah. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, this is a team that was held back by coaching and kind of like that right thing that I was just making light of 
you can make the same argument about Mike, Mike McCarthy. It's like you, the proof is in the pudding. It's like he's down sticking it up in Dallas. It's like, what a reaffirmation that the the Rogers career, whatever argument you want to make for Rogers, pro Rogers, is that he was derailed by McCarthy, right? Yeah. And now that he's got a coach, the sky's the limit for him. So it's an exactly. interesting little wrinkle in, in that whole dynamic. I'm gonna take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I like it. I, I do think it's gonna be. That's another. They're gonna have to win some tough games. Um, again, starting this week. And I think if they can do it, I do think he can easily build a resume to say that they are, you know, again, exceeding people's expectations. And I think that's another big part of coach of the year. Like I, again, that's why to me, Andy Reed, like it would struggle to win last, didn't win last year and would struggle to win this year is because he's got the best player. They're, they're the head on favorite. I think, I do think there's part of it where they, they, they do like the story to some extent. Um, and ter- in terms of, you know, really taking a team that maybe didn't have the expectations. And so, yeah, I could see the Packers um, and LaFleur definitely winning. Yeah. Who knows? Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, focus on our week 10 podcast picks, particularly the crossfires. Now, Bill, you hit a little stumbling blocks there. You want to address your crossfire picks? Um, again, I, I, I took the chargers on this fact that it just didn't seem to make sense. Um, and I did think everything we thought about that game, or you, you know, you guys thought ended up playing out. And this, the Chargers are just very poorly coached, and I don't think that they, you know, ultimately were had a chance at the end of that game. So um, I wasn't, you know, devastated to lose that one. The Seahawks, uh, I did, I, I was surprised by how the Rams played. Um, I will say I think I've underestimated the Rams the entire year. I think I may have said early on a different pod, I do have their under win total. That's obviously not happening because um, <laughs> they are a good, they're a good enough team to win games. Um, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the injuries that they've had, um, especially on the offensive line and how that might impact them going forward. But, um, but again, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tough week on the cross bars, but uh, as I said earlier, rather lose my money to you guys than to uh, FanDuel. So here we are. Very fair. Now, Coulter, you went two and zero. Hughes, you went one and one. Mister Model went one and one. I technically went one and one, but I'm counting the the Browns as a win, so I'm I'm wiping that from the slate. So I'm going. I'm calling <laughs> nice. it a two and zero here. <laughs> well, who's, who's counting, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now let's look to the double down Trent challenge. And for any of the listeners who uh, have not participated, go to doubledowntrent.com. Click on the Man versus Model challenge. And you can make your picks here. So Megan Cazalet remains in the lead. So far, a wire-to-wire front runner. She is out front with 30 correct picks this season, just on fire. Uh, In second place, though, we've got Hannibal and myself, the man, who are right there with 28. Now, I got to say, Megan sent me her picks, so I I piggybacked off of her, and uh, it was successful. So I'm going to keep riding it. Um, quick shout out to my nephew, Raymond jumped in about week five. He's already got 17 correct picks. So Casale family, we are, uh, you know, hot. He's almost, he's almost caught me. I know. Listen, Coulter, you know, you're sitting there at 21. You got I, had a week, I had the week where I didn't do it though. So that was, that's just, true. Screws with the percentages, <laughs> the, the shame week. The shame. So, exactly. Let's, Lannister. Let's go ahead. Let's preview the five games that we've got in our pick them challenge. Some really good games. We are looking at the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans is a four and a half point favorite in that game without Drew Brees, as we had talked about. A rematch 
of the Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. A wonky-ish line, in my opinion, but we got it set in our book uh, at six and a half. There's been some line movement because of COVID in that one. We've also got the Indianapolis Colts and the Green Bay Packers. Another weird Vegas line here. Uh, the Colts are a two and a half point favorite, which I'm I'm guessing someone's going to talk about here. Then we've got the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. The Ravens are a six and a half point favorite. Titans get no love. And then lastly, the Tom Brady led Buccaneers, three and a half point favorites against the Los Angeles Rams. So go ahead, go to the site, make your picks by Sunday, and let's get this started. Now, Hughes, you've been down on the crossfire. I'm going to allow you to make your first pick, maybe identify some areas to win back some of that cash that you lost. So why don't you take it away with your first pick of the week? All right, so we did do. Uh, I do want to talk about it. I've been anti indie. Uh, I've been anti Colts. I've been anti uh, Fildo. I've been anti everything that's had to do with Indianapolis. I don't know why they proved to me last week. I think, and uh, though Colter did have some good points about some some wacky things that happened during that game, but I did think that they proved that a They've got a really good coach. I talked about Reich's, obviously, coach of the year opportunity. But I think, again, like it's a well-coached team. Like You watch them play. I think they play really well on defense. Um, I really like how the things that Rivers is able to do, I think, really lend themselves to what that team has needed. And I think transitioning from, obviously, having a you know perennial you know, man of the, of the world in Andrew Luck and, and losing that and, and going through the Jacoby Brissett. And I think now though, we've seen that with a good quarterback or one that can manage the game, that this team can be really good. Um, and so I'm going to go with Indy minus two and a half. I also, again, feel like this is such a Vegas line. Like I, I've been on green Bay a lot this year. This is a game that could easily, I could have, you know, I like taking these kind of like short money line dogs. Um, I looked at it, but again, I think uh, there's something about this indie team. I think they play really hard. Um, and there's something about the Packers um, where, again, I just feel like they've exceeded expectations. I do feel like they're in a really good spot in the NFC in terms of where they're at. Um, but they haven't looked great at times, especially on defense. Um, so I'm interested to see how this game plays out. I do think they're going to be going up against a very stout defense. So I got Indy minus two and a half is my first. Okay, Coulter, what do you think? I don't want to crossfire here. Um, I'm actually on Indy right now in the pool, but I, I was on the Packers originally uh, and probably will end up siding with the Packers. But you know what it is about Green Bay that I, I don't like is that uh, Devontae Adams is questionable, and that staff has treated their players so conservatively when it comes to sitting these guys. So it seems like that's trending in the wrong way. Um, and without him, I think the Packers offense is totally flat. I, I do think there is something to the fact that Rivers isn't making as many mistakes. And I think that they have this relatively safe offense that can run the ball down the, that crappy Packers rush defense. So I, I'm going to side with the Colts for now. I'm definitely not going to crossfire. I was on the Packers originally today. I flipped onto the Colts and they're one of my favorites. I, I, I I think the coaching is pretty even in this game, so I have, I have a really rough time figuring it out. I like Aaron Rodgers getting the points, but I also like a lot of things about the Colts in particular, the, the run game. This is a really weird line to me, and I, I think this is because of the, the last week's game. You saw Indy come out and pretty handily win their game on Thursday night, and you saw Green Bay struggle against Jacksonville, uh, which is so strange. I wasn't expecting that. But 
I'm of the mind whenever you get a really good quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback like Rodgers getting points, I find it hard not to take them. And I've been riding Indy this this majority of the season. I've been kind of mixed on Green Bay here. Um, but I'm going to crossfire you here, Hughes. I'm taking Green Bay. Uh, I'm going to take the points. Anytime I can get Rodgers getting points here, I really like it. Um, you both threw out some really great points. I think the coaching matchup is pretty even here. So when I need a tiebreaker, it comes down to a quarterback, and I'm going to take Rodgers every day over Phillip Rivers. So I don't love this crossfire, but I'm going to do it, Bill. <laughs> I accept, and I will say I, I'm nervous about this one, and this could be one of those ones where you know the, the live money line on Green Bay, if, if Indy goes up early, may be too good to be to pass up with having a guy like Rodgers. I don't know. Like this is, I just, I, I'm sold on this Indy team right now, and I really think that they've got what it takes um, so yeah, I'm excited for this one. And the big reason that I'm on this too, it, it seems to me like Vegas is factoring in that three point home field advantage, which you're just not seeing this year without fans, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you're in a similar opportunity when I think it was two weeks ago, we saw Baltimore come into Indy and really just shove it down their throats. I don't see green Bay dominating the game that way, but I do see a similar outcome. So I'm taking it crossfire okay. action, Bill. That's a great sure. point, Kaz. And we just saw that Baltimore team get embarrassed on Sunday night by New England. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I, I do question it. That was my biggest takeaway walking out of that Thursday game. It's like, yeah, their coaching is excellent, you know, but ultimately Indianapolis, are they as good as they showed their hand on Thursday? Or was that just a weird Thursday night game? Yeah. 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 No, no. I, that's why I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay the tax. You guys, you guys, can, <laughs> you guys can pay to find out and I'll watch from the sideline and, and probably switch my pick another five times in our pool. Fair All enough. Right. All right, Coulter, who you got for your first pick? All right. So similar to last week's, so I'm going for uh, coaching mismatches here this week. I found five of them. Uh, if we want to go through them real quick, I got Belichick versus Romeo Cornell, Mike Zimmer versus Mike McCarthy, Brian Flores versus Vic Vangio, Mike Tomlin versus uh, Doug Marone, Sean Payton versus Raheem Morris, which I talked about earlier, which I think is a mismatch, but I'm going to stay away from it just because of the divisional dog aspect. My first bet, I'm going to go with Belichick over Cornell. Patriots. I don't love how this line has fluctuated and moved a lot. I think there's a speed issue outside with Fuller and Cooks that can present challenge to the Patriots secondary. With that said, Houston is god awful, and it's Belichick versus Cornell in a pick'em. I think I'm safe. Yes, Houston has the better quarterback here, but Cam Newton has been playing really well in the last three games. If you actually check the the QB metrics, he's actually been really sharp, and he's found some chemistry with uh, Jacoby Myers. What do we know about Houston? Their defense sucks. I mean, we could talk about how good Watson is all day long. He's been great, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter when your defense is as bad as Houston's is and you're as bad, uh, badly coached as they are. And they're playing a motivated New England team coming off the biggest win of the year. So this is a bad spot for Houston. I don't see anything going right in that locker room. We talked about that last week. Uh, I see this one simply as a culture and cult and coaching play. I'm fading Houston's culture. Their locker room stinks. Their coaching stinks. I'm going with New England minus one and a half. I'm not going to overthink this one. Okay, let's turn it over to our Patriots insider. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I'm I'm riding with that as well. I mean, again, I don't know what lines out there for the Pats right now, um, but I do think that a the Patriots I think have figured out how to play with the team that they have. Their offensive line, I just am an advocate for in general. I think that they've been healthy. They found what seems to be a bit of a diamond in the rough. 
in the in the draft uh, where who's playing at, has played almost every position I think except center um, on the <laughs> offensive line uh, rookie out of Michigan um, and I think that they have really found the fact that you know they can play the in their secondary without. Um, some, you know, different injuries that they've had guys that have opted out. And I think they've, again, JC Jackson's looked good at different times. Uh, he's looked bad at different times, but I think he, he, again, I think they can compete with that speed. I think if the one thing that they have on the outside is speed, I like the pass in this game. I do think cam's been playing a lot better. Um, and cam seems like a confidence guy when he gets rolling again, you just watch him on the sideline. It's one of the toughest things. Like Brady was maybe a little bit of the opposite. Like when things were tough, he was vocal. He was freaking out. He was screaming at people. Cam, a little bit of the opposite. They start to get things a little bit of momentum, and all of a sudden he's in the game a lot more, and I, I think that they can keep the momentum going, and I do think Houston is in a tough spot. So I'm going to ride with the Pats as well. You have full agreement. Uh, I am picking the Patriots as well in this game, and you guys just laid out everything. The only thing that I'm going to add is this is historically a team that the Patriots just bully. They're a big brother to this team, and I know it's a different team without Brady, but you still have Belichick. He just shut down Lamar Jackson. They beat them 27 nothing with Jacoby Brissett like three or four years yeah. ago. Remember that? That was a classic Belichick coaching job. I mean, you're right. This is just a classic team that has ownership. This is like the, right. you read the Wikipedia page. The <laughs> Patriots own the, te- the Texans. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. it's so true. And you guys both said it. I think Coulter nailed it. I mean, Deshaun Watson is really the only player left there. They've got Will Fuller, but, I mean, you can't ask Deshaun Watson to do everything. Um, I, I think this is a huge mismatch, so I like the Patriots as well. Um, I'm seeing that line up to Pats minus two and a half on my book. We've got it locked in here at one and a half, so you can see a lot of money's coming in on the Pats as well. And I would assume that that's because the Texans are two and seven against the spread. I know we've made fun of the Jets and the Cowboys a lot on this podcast, but like, let's be honest here. Like the Texans are, they're in that league, <laughs> you yep. know, they're a yep. team that you want to be fading <laughs> quite yeah. frankly uh, against the spread. So I'll gladly do it here. I also, I'm, I'm liking this new strategy on the pod too, where I'm like playing the golf course for par. I'm, I'm trying to pick <laughs> games where I, I might not necessarily draw you into the crossfire. I'm just playing it nice and conservative on the course here. <laughs> well, I think too, something about the, the Texans and where they're at right now is if you're having to have multiple members of your front office and team ownership, talk about who the general manager is going to be, who it's not going to be. The players clearly are not happy with how some of the things have been handled. Um, it's just a team that just doesn't seem like it's in a winning position. And again, you get a team that comes in there that needs to keep winning. They, if they want to make the playoffs, they have to win. They're coming off a huge win on Sunday night football against maybe the, one of their arch rivals, I guess, over the past couple of years. I mean, I, yeah, I think everything is lining up for this to be one of those games where we just don't see a lot of life out of Houston. Um, and we just see one of those, like, you know, again, Watson will make some plays, but I just, yeah, I just don't see how Houston mounts any sort of win in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Mr. Model phoned in his picks and, uh, I'm just going to give his one because it's also my first pick as well. So we're actually in unison. Uh, we're taking Miami minus three and a half. I'm just sticking with the hot hand here. Tua has been efficient. He's been smart, but more importantly, as we've been, been discussing Miami's defense is for real. And I hate to do it to you, Coulter. And I know Mr. Models a Broncos fan as well. Your offense is anemic and we're hearing things that Drew Locke might not even be playing. So we might get Ripian. And 
for all the contrarians who want to say, well, Rippy and Artie came in, won a game, covered a spread. That was against the Jets, okay? And that is a different team than the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I love the Dolphins at home, or excuse me, it's in mile high. So that's the only thing that maybe I would be a little hesitant on. But this is two teams going in the opposite direction. I love Flores. I like Tua. I'm on the bandwagon. So uh, we are both taking Miami three and a half. Coulter, since you're the Broncos fans, I'll let you take the first uh, opinion here. Yeah, it's interesting. As I had kind of preluded in the uh, pod earlier, I when I first walked through this slate this week, I was all in these. I was done a lot of these teams, dog, 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 and the Broncos were one of them. And I flipped over, uh, similar to that Packers game we were talking about. And the reason why I flipped on in Miami is a. I mean, obviously the quarterback uncertainty for Denver is terrible. You highlighted the offense being anemic, but you know what? The original thing I was thinking with the Dolphins is that Vic Vangio is going to game plan around to attack a Viola and he's going to game plan him out similar to how he game planned around Cam Newton against New England earlier this year. The big difference here is Tua is not coming off a COVID injury. The, the, the Dolphins haven't had any sort of weird scheduling delays, you know, with the COVID. They, they, this team has been cruising. If anything, they're in total, uh, their momentum is going in one direction and it's up. So this is two teams heading in opposite directions. This is an easy play. I don't know what I was originally thinking with the Broncos. I was thinking Vangio could scheme up something special because he's a defensive wizard. But right now the team uh, is too handicapped by its offense. It's pretty sloppy on its defense, to be honest. They have some great young players, but this is not a unit that's very solid, clearly, as you saw against the Vegas Raiders last week. Uh, You have full agreement with me. I would even argue this is borderline best bet for me as well. Dolphins minus three and a half. The other factor besides the Vangio scheming up for against two uh, would be the weather and the traveling out to the mile high. I don't, I, I would very much caution the listeners. If you're going to make a bet on this, which you definitely bet dolphins, don't bet Broncos, whatever you do, make it conservative. Don't go all in. Don't bet the family farm because there is that, that element, the ge- the geographic element, you can't deny. If you wake up on Monday morning and the Broncos have won the game 27-20, you can't say you're shocked. Miami going to Denver is not a good spot. That's period. true. That's true. Hughes, what do you got? Yeah, I- I'm I'm in agreement on this one. I, I would – the only thing I can think of is the Dolphins have been, you know, sniff- sniffing themselves and feeling like they're, they've arrived or something like that, and they don't take this as seriously being on the road. I don't see that with this coaching staff. I think that they will show up. I think they'll show out. I had mentioned um, earlier that one of my favorite props is defensive touchdown props. I do think that putting the Dolphins in as a deep as a possible D score here, I bet you can get a pretty good number on it. I don't. I wouldn't go maybe first score, but I would say that I do think like you're going to see some things in this game where I think the Dolphins defense is going to assert themselves and potentially do it fairly early in the game. Um, because I think that they know that there's going to be some blood in the water, especially if Locke doesn't play. Um, and I think that this team, again, I think they there's a hunger there that they know they've got a rookie quarterback. And, and again, I think there's a psychological element to that too, especially when you have a good defense. It's almost like the big brother protector. They know that they have to go out and play a certain way at a certain level every week. And if they do, they've to as proven you're that they can it, win. You're seeing it in New York. Yep. That is the engine behind that defense. That was a horrible unit last year. And all of a sudden, the Giants, I would argue, are the top of 12 defense, and it's all predicated on they know that if they get into shootouts with teams, they're going to lose. If they get into 30-point games, you know, like the Arizona Cardinals and Seahawks do every week, 
the Giants will be 0-16 playing that kind of style of football. So you're absolutely right. And the Dolphins know that too. There is no way that this team wins game after game after game if they're getting into 30-point shootouts with other teams. They have to keep the game uh, relatively low scoring. And and the Broncos are a perfect opponent to do that against. Yeah, Yeah. we'll see what happens. Okay, Hughes, who is your key pick this week? All right, so I'm going with my key pick being – so – I've gone back and forth on this and, and I don't really know exactly where I wanted to land because obviously we've talked about COVID and I flip flop. I'm going revenge city time to prove that we're here. Super bowl hangover over. I'm going with the chiefs and I'll tell you why. I, I think that the, the Raiders play obviously won the first game and I've played tough. Everybody this, this year I've been, you know, a, a believer in car surprisingly, even though, it still blows my mind, but I think the chiefs come out and assert themselves in this game. I think they win this one handily. And I think you see a little bit of the like, okay, it's time to flip the switch. Now I could be wrong, but I do think that that's what happens. I'm going with the Kansas city chiefs. I think it's at minus eight. So we got the pool at uh minus six and a half where we got the lines just kind of locked in from, uh, yes, from opening, right. but money's gone up. It's now eight and a half actually for, for the, the chiefs. And that's, <clears throat> Probably a lot to do with COVID, but yeah. And and I hate to say, and, and again, I I saw this line initially um, and thought it was too high, given the fact that the Raiders had won the last time. That being said, again, I think this falls into the same Vegas zone of it's high because I think Vegas thinks that this is going to be a blowout. And I do think the Raiders have been through the ringer in terms of practice, in terms of guys being on the list, even if they end up playing, the amount of guys that they had there and the amount of things that have happened um, this year. I just think that this is a hill that they're, that they're going to decide, okay, you know, well, let's live to fight another day at some point during this game. And I think the chiefs step on it. And I think the chiefs win big. Colter, what do you got? I can, you know, I'm not going to go against the chiefs. They're my bread and butter in this pool. They're the team that's keeping me alive in the standings. Uh, I was considering them here for a best bet uh, as well. Um, they're definitely in my quadrant of, I feel best about, especially because of the line value and all the COVID stuff. My one pushback on uh, going full throttle with Kansas City is they're also getting some mixed things with the injury report. I'm unclear as to whether uh, yeah. Edwards Lair is going to play. I'm unclear. I know they got the tackles back today, which is a great sign for them. Which again, I'm I'm staying on Kansas City. I'm not going to waver on this pick. It's definitely one of my best of the week. But uh, I definitely wonder about how healthy KC truly is. And and Oak or uh, Vegas's defense, I have to say, we talked about it after that Browns game. That's an impressive unit. I know they've. They're not exactly talented and they've got the COVID stuff this week, but man, they've done nothing but shut down opposing offenses the last month. Uh, I can't really say that. I think that this is necessarily a terrible unit by any stretch. Yeah. And you're seeing some good things out of the the Raiders, but I'm with you, Hughes. Uh, I'm on the, the chiefs here. I think this is a big revenge game. You've heard the Bolton board material, and that's the last thing you want to give to a team as loaded as the chiefs. All we're hearing about is the fucking victory lap that the Raiders took in their bus around Arrowhead when they won. And look, if you want to do that, that's fine. But don't go out publicizing it and get it on their radar because you don't want to wake up this team. If you are in their division, which they are, they already beat them. You've got a real chance here to make some moves on the sleeping giant. Don't wake them up. And that's Definitely exactly don't what wake them up did. because this team yeah. is on a fast track to repeat as Super Bowl champion. Yes. That would be the bet I'd recommend to everybody in America is just put it on the line for them to repeat. This is the best franchise. 
from top to bottom and they have the best quarterback. Yeah, so, I mean, th- there's no reason that there's team won't win the Super Bowl again. They could go 15 one for all we know. And you're right. Th- this might've been just the extra spark they needed to get to, get to that 15 and one, like who the hell are the Raiders to talk crap to us? Yeah. And, and again, I think, so we, and we talked about it, like Sammy Watkins hasn't played in, in, in several weeks. He'll be back at some point in time. I think um, you've got, the possibility that Hilaire's hurt, but then you got you can back that up with having gone out and pretty much gotten Lev Bell for free. Yep. Um, and you've got just it's just a team that's built for this. And again, they feel a little bit like how the Pats used to, you know, round into form sometime when the weather starts to get cold. The one thing you don't have, obviously, is that incredible home field advantage that they always have uh, where they play games. But I do think because again, that will help. That help I, th- I think always helps a team that isn't that motivated because they know they're going to make the playoffs and they know they have a team to win the. Super Bowl. So like does week 12 really like get you going for Pat Mahomes? But again, the victory lap, what happened the last time? I think this team is going to step on the throat and and again, taking a victory lap after what was it week 4? Like yeah. that that is that to me is is where the Raiders are at. All right. Like that's they're a team that's trying to get a winning culture and you know, maybe that's the start of it, but again, you take a victory lap after you beat a team in the playoffs that has won a title. You don't do it after week four. I mean, like, and that's where I think the chiefs come out and they just, they say, okay, let's roll the balls out. Let's see what happens. Yep. And you've got full agreement. Uh, not only is Mr. Model on your side as well, this is his key pick too. So a lot of uh, agreement here on the chiefs. So Coulter, who you got for your key pick? Yeah, I think the Chiefs are ultimately going to be my key pick in the pool, but I'll throw a, 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 a two extra ones. Actually, I'll, I'll, just drop this one in there as a kind of a bonus one. I like Dallas plus eight and a half in our pool against Minnesota. I hate the coaching disadvantage of McCarthy, but that's just just too many points. If you look at the preseason line for this game, and I know Dak is out, this game was two and a half. So this has moved six whole points. They have Andy Dalton for Christ's sakes. This is not, I mean, Kirk Cousins, I mean, I can talk about this game until I'm blue in the face. This is the worst number of the week. I do not get how the Vikings and I know they're coming off the big win and they're, they're playing well. And I gave them a bunch of nice accolades at the top of the pod and cook can be an MVP and all that great stuff. Yada, yada, yada. This just line is just absurd. It's absurd. Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He was the best rated backup going into the year. I know he looked bad in one game. Yada, yada, yada. This is ridiculous that they've been this overvaluated. And I saw it going up this morning to nine. If this game gets to nine and a half, take Dallas. They're not that not talented. They're coming off a bye week. Vikings are on a short week. They've got COVID stuff, I think. I read. I mean, and they've got cluster injuries in their secondary. You've got Cooper, Lamb, and uh and um Gallup in, in Dallas. I, I just don't know. I this that line looked so weird to me. It's not my best bet, but I I I can't get over how that, that just looks wrong to me, in my opinion. Dallas and Minnesota are almost even teams, not eight and a half difference. That's just ridiculous. My best bet, though, is uh, Pittsburgh, ten and a half. I like Tomlin versus Marone. I'm just going back to the well of bad coaches. I think you've got Roethlisberger versus Jake Luton. Talk about experience versus not. Uh, and I think actually Jacksonville was lively enough last week where they kind of even the action out a little bit. So some people are going to take that ten and a half and think it's a good number. I think Pittsburgh is clearly focused, motivated, especially after that Dallas game two weeks ago. I think they're not they're not going to take anybody lightly after that experience. They're going to be focused. Quite frankly, they're undefeated, and they have the Chiefs on their heels. This is a very motivated 9-0 team. They're not going to lollygag anymore. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of a revenge spot. This is a Jacksonville team that kicked their ass in the playoffs a couple of years ago. I think Tomlin wants to take it out on them. 
and there's a huge coaching advantage. So that's okay. my best bet, Pittsburgh, 10.5. But I, I had to go in on Dallas because that line is just ridiculous. What do you got, Hughes? Um, so first to talk about the Dallas game, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I don't, they're not that bad. And, and I don't understand how, like we talked about somebody last week. I don't remember who it is, but like, I don't know how Dallas doesn't look at this and be like, we don't have a ton of games that we can win on the schedule, but this should be one of them. Like it should be a game that they think they can keep themselves Kirk in. Cousins, of course it's winnable, <laughs> especially, especially coming off the bye. You know, I mean, maybe we've talked about the fact that this team doesn't prepare very well, but hopefully after two weeks, they figure out something. They just need to stop one guy. I mean, like, and I know it's easier said than done to stop cook. He's having a great year. Um, but that, that'd be where I, I, I agree with you. I think that line's gotten out of control. And I think, again, I think they know that, that, you know, people are down on Dallas and there's a lot of haters out there that love to pound those pound that line. Um, but on the other one, I'm, I'm on Pittsburgh too. I, it's, it's so tough to look at Pittsburgh and not think that last week wasn't, or, you know, whenever they had that close game, wasn't there kind of like, whoopsies, we got to wake up and we got to play when they play Jacksonville, we got to play four quarters. I think they do it this week. Um, or excuse me, it's Jacksonville this week. Um, I think they do it. It was Dallas when they, when they were kind of slept walk through the first little while. Um, I think they win easily. Uh, big Ben, God, I mean, can you talk about an MVP? I mean, comeback player of the year. Could he win both? I don't even know. Um, I, this team has just continued um, to show that it's got layers. There's, they can do a lot of different things. They can come at you in a lot of different ways on offense. They can come at you in a lot of different ways on defense. I mean, you want to talk about, uh, you talked about the dolphins. I mean, I think they'd love to have Minka Fitzpatrick back. I mean, just an absolute stud in the middle of that Steelers defense now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm riding with the Steelers as well. Can you imagine that combo if they had all three of those defensive backs? Man, it'd be crazy. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to crossfire, but I do want to throw this little ditty out to you guys. Mike Tomlin as a double digit road favorite. Yeah, he's not good. One, I remember I had Dallas a couple weeks ago. Yeah, saying he's one in ten against the spread and seven and four outright. My only hesitation he knows on that, this though. one. Yeah, he but has to know that we just saw the Jags go into Green Bay and give them a little run. And my only concern too here is that this could be a classic trap game because who are the Steelers playing on Thanksgiving Ravens. night? The Baltimore Ravens. It could be one of those games where they're like, we, hey, let's just. We will see if, if Tomlin's worth coach of the year material. I think he has them fired up and focused for this game. I really do. Yeah. I really think this, they, I think that they will not take them lightly. And I think they're going to just absolutely demolish them. Jacksonville also is missing their top two defensive backs. So that does not bode well for them with, uh, you know, similar to that Dallas handicap. I just love how many receivers Dallas has and how little defensive backs Minnesota has. Same thing applies here. I mean, how many weapons does Big Ben have? Jaguars are are a bad defense. They're missing their top two corners, their first-round pick. Henderson, who they picked in the top 10, he's gone on the IR. This team is just bereft of talent, and they're getting worse and worse now. It, it, I don't know. Yeah. This, yeah. this game could easily be 21 nothing in the middle of the second quarter, and you're going to be wondering – you know, why, if you bet on Jacksonville, you're just going to be wondering what the hell was I thinking about? Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I can't tell listeners to bet on Jacksonville. It's just something to be cautious of if you're going to make that pick here. Uh, yep. for, for wouldn't my, they want to, to go too deep into the Ravens thing, too? Wouldn't they want to go up so much, so quick, so like to the point where they're up, let's say, 35 nothing in the third to the point where they can actually start to rest for Baltimore. Yeah. That their motivation is to get on. It's so hard. So early 
And that's why I think they're going to be focused. Unlike that Dallas game where they started off slow, I think they're going to start off very quick and yeah, very fast. Yeah, the incentive is definitely there. You're, you're totally right on that one. Uh, it's just, to me, he's got all the writings of a trap game. Again, I'm not going to do a crossfire. I'm not making that my uh, my pick. But uh, it's just something. And they beat, they beat Joey Covers, too. That, exactly. That's real, the real reason why I ended up going with Pittsburgh this week is because yep. they, they covered against Covers. And that, that told me that this team is – they're not effing around anymore like they were against Dallas. They're there's they're zoned in, I think. And I'm glad you brought up Joey Covers. We've been riding him all season. Uh, I actually was gonna tell you guys that this is my key pick here. I hate to do this. I'm going against Joey Covers. No way. Yep. I'm picking a really, really bad team here in the Washington football team. I hate doing this. I hate making bad teams my key pick here. Uh, but I'm picking against Cincinnati. But I'm also picking for Washington for a couple of reasons here. What do we see when Joe Burrow really struggles? It's a pass rush up the middle. Washington's got the front four that can do that. They can generate pressure without having to blitz. So I like that aspect. And shockingly, I think Alex Smith has life. He's had two weeks in a row of over 300 yards passing, including a game where he came in at halftime. So I think Alex Smith is actually bringing a little bit of a, a shot of life to that offense. You're now seeing Terry McLaurin get open downfield. He's working in the uh, the running backs nicely in Washington. I think this is a mismatch on all levels here, and uh, I hate to do it to my guy Joey Covers, but I got Washington at home minus one and a half here. Call me crazy, Coulter. No, you're not crazy. You know what? I actually just realized too, because I did a couple of switches uh, in our pool. Actually, I'm on football team now too. I was probably thinking the exact same thing is that the D line in, in uh, Washington can really wreck this game. And you know what? It, quite frankly, this is your undercover, under the radar sixth coaching mismatch of the week. Rivera mm-hmm. versus Taylor is a coaching mismatch. Rivera is a two time coach of the year. We went over it last year on the pod. This guy is a good coach. He had a bad situation with Carolina last year. And quite frankly, he's been just given a crap deck in football team. And he had the, of course, he had to go through the, the cancer too, which is just terrible. So, I mean, this is just a no win proposition for uh, Rivera, but I think he does have a distinct coaching edge against uh, Zach Taylor and, and company down in Cincinnati. That's still a terribly coached team, uh, which is why you see him and Herbert. They're both two and seven and struggling. Why? Cause they're poorly coached. It's like, Tua's got the best record of all of them in terms of win percentage. It's pretty simple. It's because his coach puts him in an advantageous situation, whereas these guys, Taylor and Leonard, they're doing the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Hughes, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> this one's a stay away. I can't believe you made it a best bet. This is like your <laughs> six calls to Nikki. I, it definitely confuses me. I think you're on the right side with the defensive line and, and being a Giants fan, you know it better than anybody. I mean, if you could put pressure on the QB, that's what matters most in, in the National Football League. And I, I do think they're going to be able to do that this week. So, Yeah, I, I, I'm at a total loss on this one. I, this is a coin toss type game for me. Um, I, so wait, so you're going one and a half. I would probably, I mean, if, I, if like given how I normally would bet, I'd probably go with Cincinnati Moneyline just to get a little bit of bite on the value. Um but at the same time, yeah, I could easily see Washington winning this game. I do think Alex Smith has some life, like you said. Um, I think they've got some weapons uh, at receiver. Um, I think they've got a weapon at running back. I think they found a, a good player in Gibson. 
Um, so I think, again, I just hadn't, this wasn't on my radar. So as I'm thinking through this, I do, I, yeah, I don't hate the pick. Um, I don't love, again, I just don't love taking them because I think that they're garbage. Um, but they have, they've looked better. They've looked like they've got some life. I mean, they took a really bad, uh, again, I think it was, uh, Chase Young took a really bad penalty last week that pretty much cost him a chance at, at the game. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I, as I think through this, you, you might be onto something here. This is again, as uh, I steal a, a, a phrase from a, uh, from a gambling personality, the money's in the crumbs. I mean, you got to find these games where, you know, you just look at the line and you're like, yeah, I mean, I think they're a better team. I think, you know, they've, they've been playing, they've been trending in the right direction. And yeah, maybe this is a good low line that you get. And you, all you got to do is win by a field goal. I yep. mean, like, again, and those games are, you know, few and far between sometimes, especially, um, you know, with some of the picks we've been making, but yeah, anytime you can get field goal favorites, you know, or under field goal, that's, I like it. I like it. I, I'm like the crossfire because I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. And I do agree. I do not think the the Bengals have been just like a roller coaster of weird. Um, I think I do like Burrow. I'm, I've been again. We talked a little fantasy. I was on T Higgins um, in, in a couple leagues, and it's obviously paid off uh, in terms of what he's been able to bring to the table. Um, so yeah, man, I like the, I like the pick. He's been electric, and I love the Burrow to T Higgins combination, but. There's a coaching mismatch. I think Alex yeah. Smith is alive. Uh, I think the pass rush can get to Burrow. I, yep. I think you get a you get a nice little contrarian play too. I find it hard to believe that I got Burrow this weekend. You get the least sexy team, but you actually get the better <laughs> football team. If that makes exactly. Sense. Yeah. Ironically, this is the matchup. I mean, you've got Kyler and, and Wilson going against it, and you've got all these other great quarterback matchups this week, rivers and Rogers and all this stuff. This is the only one that's two former first overall picks going head to head. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Didn't not even think about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Good poll. Um, all right, before we go, any, uh, six calls to Nikki, uh, games. I know maybe that's that Washington Cincinnati game was one of them, but, uh, for me, it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> the, the saints and the Falcons just because of that wild card with quarterback. But I don't know. What do you guys got? Uh, I've got Tampa uh, and the Rams. I, I don't, I do not know. I've ended up on kind of both sides of this. I've been anti Rams. Like I talked about, I don't know. I can't figure out that game. Um, uh, yeah. That I, I just, I want to take Tampa. I want to believe that Tampa's got it, but like they've just looked so bad at different times against pretty good defenses that, um, you know, LA showed that they could lock people down last week uh, with what they did to the Seahawks uh, in terms of, um, you know, their defensive backs and, and whatnot. I don't know. I, that's the game that's thrown Yeah, I got that as a weird one too. Colter, what about you? Tampa's on my list. I, we talked about it before we started recording the Whitworth injury. I was on Rams, but then I was thinking about it more with him out. It seems like that's such a massive blow. Um, but there is something about Tampa Bay being so loose and then winning a big game like that, that I just hate being on them the next week. I, I really just inherently want to fade them after they win big. Uh, but this is a bad spot with the Raiders or with the Rams, uh, losing their captain on offense, Andrew Whitworth left tackle. Uh, I'm going to keep diving into this replacement guy because the comments from McVay seemed optimistic about the replacement. He seemed like he started at left guard earlier this year. Um, so we'll see, I might end up on the Rams. That one's definitely a six calls to Nikki. If I were to put two more into the Nikki bin, uh, the Detroit game is just too hard to peg right now. I think if Galladay is healthy and Stafford plays, I think I have to go with Detroit. I think this 
the reason why this is a rule six calls to Nikki game is because on paper, you want to go with Carolina, the storyline you like rule, you like rule more than Patricia. You think coaching mismatch. You think if Bridgewater plays, he's more disciplined than Stafford. They might have a better offense, whatever you want to judge upon. This is a kitchen sink game though. For Matt, Patricia, you're fired. You are out of a job. If you get beat <laughs> by a rookie head coach, you are fired, Matt, Patricia beyond notice. So that's why I'm going to end up on Detroit. These, this is staff. No, I'm not even kidding. You have to win this game if you want to have employment next year. You cannot lose to a rookie staff with an all-rookie defense. And I know they've played hard and they play tough, all that nice stuff. But if you're Detroit, you have to go in and take care of business on the road here. If you if you want to have a job next year, if you're Matt Patricia, if I'm the owner, this is how I'm judging it at the end of the year. He can coach the rest of the season. He has seven games. But if he loses this one, you're out. Period. Done. Um, yep. It's still a six calls to Nikki because I really want to take Carolina. But I, I do think that with if Galladay plays and I, I and Bridgewater's out, it's just too many factors in favor of Detroit, and they're getting the points. And then the the last one is I, somehow I'm on the Jets. Talk to <laughs> <you> guys, <laughs> I'm on the Jets I, too. I, I think I kind of am too. Okay, go ahead, Bill. So maybe this is less less than six calls to Nikki because I well, no, I can't go with Anthony Lynn minus eight and a half. It would be like taking Matt Nagy, and I I know they're playing the Jets. I just I. I actually think Flacco looked like, you know, he gives the Jets more life, I think, more juice uh, than and Darnold, right? Right. And I think, I, I don't know, I think the tank, so we've talked, we talked about the tank, whether the Jets are tanking, what's happening. I do think the Jets are going to be competitive, regardless of that. And I think the line is just way too big for a team that has not proven that they can in any way play with the lead or in any way secure games. So, like, I, yeah, I... I would. I'm, I do not think the Jets are going to win this game. Um, though I do think the haircut was a total bizarre <laughs> move. Um, it now looks like. I mean, you got the leader of an organization who now looks like he's walking out of like six period French. Like I don't know what's happening. Like we're talking about a guy who like needs to command the huddle, and you know he looks like he's you know lining up for his school picture. Uh, I just don't yeah. get it. Like and uh, you know not to not to crack on him the whole time. Anthony Lynn again also deserve. He's. I cannot no, we see can, how he survives. We, we can crack on him. We can crack I don't see how he, I don't. Yeah, I don't see how he survives the season with what they what they've had in front of them and what they haven't been able to capitalize on. Uh, and I think that they're they're close to a mutiny. I think given what we you know we talked about oh, this, yeah, uh, with it with how the team reacted, it seems yeah. like they're close to, to just being like yeah. this guy doesn't know how to coach. Right, and I think again, I think there's guys guys are willing to go you know to the mattresses to to an extent, and I think once they feel like they're not being put in a position where they can win games. I just think, yeah, guys start making business decisions and not to say that they're at that point. This team has played hard. They've been in every game. They're, they're, they're scrappy. I, I like where they're heading. I just don't think that they think this coach gets them there. And I think players inherently know that losing helps get the coach out of town. And I don't want to say that that's what they're going to do, but I don't think that if, you know, if things don't go the way that they want, that there's a lot of guys out there that are going to be disappointed. Um, if this game is a lot closer, like, it's not like they're going to be like, Oh my God, we should have blown these guys out. So really good point. Hughes. Yeah. Yep. You also have to factor their postseason dreams died in, in South Beach yep. last week, right? I mean, if they had yep. won that game, they're still they're still mathematically alive. But at two and seven, they 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 know that there there's no way they're getting past teams like Indianapolis, Tennessee, Baltimore, uh, right. Cleveland, even at six and three. I mean, those are just those are four teams that come to my mind that are six and three that are what four four games better than them. Yeah. Yeah. And the craziest thing, I'm looking at my book. This spread is up to 10 now for the Chargers. Oh. I don't understand what's going on. I actually think this is a game the Jets could win outright. 
Is Gase playing quarterback? Like, what's happening? This is the only game on the Jets' schedule that they can win outright, other than their their rematch against New England. So, I mean, this is a they have to max motivated. (laughs) No, I'm not being serious. I mean, if if, if, to avoid the infamy of going 0 and 16, they are going to be max. They're playing to their hardest, right? Yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. You you'd have to think that like this guy doesn't want to go out as the guy who led an 0 and 16 team. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things. I mean, the the obvious counter argument is Adam Gase. So I, who knows? But uh, that's just too many points. And that's why it's a six calls to Nikki game. You have yeah. Lynn versus yeah. Gase. It's an abomination. Honestly, the pool meister uh, should just take it off our, our thing for the week. <laughs> and just do it. Well, the, the, the other one is there's way too many points in the Tennessee Baltimore game. That's obvious. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Like, I don't, I don't understand know what Vegas Baltimore is coming How off does a loss. Yeah. Yeah, they're coming off a loss. I think they're playing. It's going to be a physical game. Like I think, I do think they're matchup matchup wise. I think they match up better, and they obviously, um, you know, I think they they. I think it's a good. Right. Ma- I think it's a decent match. Got there. desperate with Des Bryant. We should have sniffed that one out weeks ago. This yeah. is a team that clearly doesn't trust its pass off. Like they don't trust the, the schematics of the pass offense, and they definitely don't trust the talent involved with it. And they don't. And they don't trust the quarterback who's who's throwing it. Yeah, Hollywood Houdini does not exist anymore. That guy was, <laughs> I mean, breakout player of the year. I mean, like really like seen as like a guy who was an up-and-comer, like being mentioned. I mean, he was the first-round pick, so I mean, I'm not trying to say he wasn't, you know, didn't have a pedigree ahead of that. But, you know, you look at – he just hasn't taken that next step. And I think it. I, the Pats shut him down. The Pats shut that entire team down. Mother Nature helped. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if for some reason it rained, like someone had turned on the shower, and then it instantly stopped like 10 minutes after the game. Um, but like ultimately the, I, that just thought that was way too many points. That was Belichick's a witch doctor. (laughs) Bill Belichick. Unbelievable. All right, gentlemen, that is a good episode in the books. That is episode number 87. Good luck on your tickets. And we will see everybody next week on double down Trent. Baby, look at me, look at me, your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.